Hi everyone, this is Bernie Ree. Uh, it is Thursday, April 2nd, and this is another episode of Intro to Zen Online. Uh, this will be a three-part episode. Um, the first will consist of some introductory remarks that will frame the next two parts, which will uh, consist of two brief um, guided meditations one on loving-kindness practice and the other on just um, straight-ahead mindfulness practice. Uh, this episode, this three-part episode, is um, uh, dedicated to Louisa Belk, who requested that I um, do an episode on loving-kindness practice. So, Louisa, uh, this is for you. I hope you're well. And indeed, I hope everyone who's listening to this um, podcast is okay. Um, so love, loving kindness. Um, so I think I have, um, touched on the importance of, um, loving kindness, uh, on the edges of many of the episodes, um, so far, uh, especially when I've emphasized the importance of kindness or gentleness in the way we attend to what we experience during mindfulness practice, uh, the, to our discomfort, our emotional distress, even our, our propensity to get distracted, right? To, to, um, and I've, I've consistently encouraged um, that we, we note what there is to note with kindness um, and that we bring ourselves back to whatever anchor we're using, like the breath or sounds, with gentleness and without judgment. Um, and, and so I've done that, um, because, um, it's mindfulness, um, is most powerful, is deepest, and is most healing when it is practiced, um, with not just, um, the head, so to speak, but with the heart, um, and so today, I want to actually foreground the heart aspect of mindfulness practice or meditation practice, and not just leave it sort of implicit on the edges, um, coloring, as it were, how I talk about mindfulness, but actually just foregrounding it and speaking about it explicitly. Um, so loving-kindness meditation is, uh, is an ancient meditation practice, a technique that goes as far back as mindfulness practice, goes back to the time of the Buddha. And uh, it is a practice designed to cultivate um, friendliness, kindness, loving kindness towards ourselves and towards all other beings. Um, I use the word cultivate but actually a more accurate word might be awaken. Awaken the loving kindness um, that is inherent to our being. Um, it's not something we have to generate or make or produce as if it isn't there to begin with. The truth is it's always there. It's ever present, but it is often obscured by our fear, anxiety, 
our anger, um, and all the different ways in which we get absorbed in ourselves. And by becoming absorbed in ourselves and the storylines of our own lives, um, we produce, we manufacture an illusory sense of separateness between ourselves and the rest of reality, as if we are sort of cut off um, in our own kind of isolated monadic existence. Um, that is precisely the illusion, the illusion of separateness that meditation practice is intended to wake us up from, wake us up to our actual interconnectedness. Um, so when we see that the contents of our minds, you know, the, the passing thoughts, the storylines, etc., when when we see that they just come and go, they rise and they pass away, and we can observe them like just weather patterns passing through the big clear sky of the mind, then we naturally wake up um, to our connectedness to others because our attachment to the ego softens, loosens. And um, when that happens, when our um, investment in the self, when our identification with the ego, um, with this illusory ego that's cut off from others, softens through the practice of awareness, naturally, um, inevitably, a sense of warmth and connectedness also emerges. It's part of the experience of awakening to our natural interconnectedness, um, the experience of loving-kindness. Um, so mindfulness, as it provides us greater insight into the true nature of our being, which is that we are not just these isolated egos, puts us in touch with a loving kindness, a sense of connectedness with all others that's always there but obscured because of the dream of the ego that we're usually lost in. So that's, mindfulness will naturally lead to the experience of loving kindness. At the same time, cultivating loving kindness, um, sort of activating that natural, if often obscured, aspect of our being can also in turn help us practice mindfulness um, with greater power, with greater insight, because it allows us to observe um, what passes through consciousness with more compassion, more understanding, more softness, right? more gentleness. Um, and so mindfulness can lead to increase in loving kindness, but the practice of loving kindness can also enhance our ability to practice mindfulness. So it's a two-way street or a feedback loop. And so it can be very, very helpful uh, from time to time. I mean, even 
frankly, once a day for uh, a few minutes, um, to practice loving-kindness meditation on its own, which will um, enhance our mindfulness practice in turn. So um, the way that loving-kindness practice works is um, it we use um, a few sort of set traditional lines. Lines like, um, may I be happy, or may he or she be at peace, or may all beings be free of suffering. Um, the words aren't the key thing. It's the, the feelings of care and kindness and goodwill that the... Um, the words represent and are meant to in um, sort of uh, provoke in us that are the key thing so um, so actually you know if the words that I'll suggest when we get to loving-kindness meditation don't quite do do it for you if they feel somehow stiff and not authentic in your own mind then f you should feel free to um, to alter the language a bit but it is the um, the use of those phrases um, are meant to remind us or invite us to call forth the feelings that those phrases represent. Um, now, it may not always work in the sense that we may say, may I be at peace or may I be um, free from suffering, um, or may I dwell in the open heart. And actually what we may discover, what we may very well discover, is that we cannot actually feel goodwill for ourselves. We cannot feel sympathy or care for ourselves. Um, and that actually might be both shocking and disturbing, but it's actually uh, a very common experience. Um, and if you find at any point when we turn to loving-kindness practice that you actually can't feel what the words seem to be inviting you to feel, then the key at that point is just to feel with as much acceptance as you can exactly what you are feeling, which may be a cold-heartedness, which in fact may be a kind of tightening up of the heart against yourself. Um, you know, it may be that as you wish yourself uh, peace or happiness um, or health or freedom from suffering, there may be some part of you that feels you don't deserve it. Um, uh, that that actually, you know, um, feels a kind of self-judgmentalness. And then the key is, as it is with all forms of genuine mindfulness or into practice, is just to feel what you're feeling. So it is not meant to artificially generate feelings um, that you may not have, but rather to awaken what is buried or obscured. But sometimes those feelings, even though they are there, believe it or not, may be obscured by so much kind of hardness of heart that's built up over the years that all you can feel is that hardness. And then the key is just to feel 
that hardness, that self-judgment, that self, even that self-loathing, if it's there. Feel it with as much sympathy and acceptance as you can. And you may discover that just feeling that uh, with clarity, facing how little room in your own heart there is for yourself, may actually, after a while, and it may take a while, break your heart open for yourself. But it will take time. And the one thing about loving-kindness practice is that it cannot be forced. Love, of course, care cannot be forced. And so please just feel what there is to feel, even if what that is is a lack of love, uh, a lack of caring or sympathy for yourself or for other beings. Feel that. Try to you know, soften around the edges of that, let it be there. And over time, it will soften. Because the truth is, underlying this investment that we all naturally have in our sense of separateness, the sense that we are cut off from others, is actually an openness a sense of deep interconnectedness and at bottom love that's there but it can take time to come to light and it cannot be forced and the more you try to force it the more you try to um, push yourself the more you just end up hardening what is obscuring that natural love and connectedness. Um, you can never get to that heart, that naturally open heart, through the use of aggression, violence, or force. It's contradictory. And so um, it can be hard to face the extent to which our hearts are closed to ourselves and other beings. But that is a crucial step in ultimately awakening the heart. Um, so to end um, this first recording, which is, as I said, just remarks about uh, the next two um, episode, next two parts of this episode which include the guided meditations. I want to read two short texts about heart practices or loving kindness practice um, that I think will provide, a, you know, because they're written by other practitioners, slightly different language, slightly different idioms, which may help um, you get a better sense of what all of this is about. Um, and then in the next recording, We'll do a loving-kindness practice, and then after that, we'll do a mindfulness practice. Um, you can actually, in the future, um, try it either way. You could do the loving-kindness first and then mindfulness, and what you might discover is that doing loving-kindness first might actually help you do the mindfulness with a softer, more accepting attitude, which can really 
um, radically deepen one's mindfulness practice. Or you can do the mindfulness first and then do the loving kindness because doing the mindfulness first will help settle the mind some, create a little bit more focus, which can then deepen the loving kindness practice. So it works both ways. Um, but I think the key is, and what I'm trying to get at in these introductory remarks is, the two go together. Loving kindness practice and straight up mindfulness practice are um, in a way two sides of the same coin. Maybe that's not the right image, but they feed into each other. Um, so here, let me read the first um, of the two texts I want to close this um, this recording with. Okay, It's by a teacher named Philip Moffat, um, and it's about his initial resistance to loving-kindness practice, which some of you may feel. I know I felt it when I first came across this practice. It took me a long time to come around to feeling like this was an important thing to do. But um, but as I, di I discovered, like Moffat, that it is such an, imp an important thing to include in one's practice life. So le let me um, read now Moffat's thing before reading a brief, brief piece by Stephen Levine about heart practices, but this is Moffat on loving-kindness practice. In the Buddhist tradition, the term loving-kindness refers both to qualities of the mind and heart and to specific meditation practices that help you develop these qualities. These qualities can be very difficult to develop in any depth, yet fostering their development is essential for spiritual maturation. When I was first introduced to loving-kindness practice during a 10-day silent meditation retreat, my initial reaction was to walk out of the room each time these practices were taught. I was interested in deepening my understanding of the mind, and when the teacher started discussing loving-kindness, I thought they were being sentimental. I was convinced that trying to foster loving-kindness through repetition of certain phrases seemed silly. After a few days of rebellion, it occurred to me that maybe I should have some actual experience of the practices if I was going to have such animosity towards them. So I started taking the instruction, and I discovered that they had real value. The practices involved developing loving-kindness for yourself, your benefactors, those you are close to, and those for whom you have neutral feelings or even negative feelings. Some people have trouble working with individuals for whom they have negative feelings, but for me, the most difficult focus of the practices was towards myself. Loving-kindness is a focused meditation. The purpose of the practice is to cultivate the intention to embrace all parts of yourself and to overcome feelings of separation from yourself and from others. As these practices mature, you feel a sense of warmth, good intention, and deep sympathy towards yourself. When people come to me with difficult feelings, I do not urge them to simply let go of the feelings. To do so without first being with what is arising in the moment would only add the sense of deprivation that the person already feels. What is arising in the moment is suffering, and the first response in the face of suffering 
has to be compassion. It takes so long to truly grasp that this is so, and in any given moment, it can so easily be forgotten. Yet compassion lies at the heart of what it means to be fully human and allows us to be at peace in the midst of pain and turmoil. Compassion is an energetic response, not a mental idea. It arises in the body through the breath and heart. It is what you feel when you see a small child fall and scrape a knee. Your natural response is to pick the child up, not because the holding can make the scrape go away, but because it provides a kind of comfort that is healing to the spirit of the child. It is exactly in this energetic spirit that you hold yourself when you are fully accepting the truth of your own experiences. The task is to find the humility and the courage to open to yourself in this manner. And it is not easy. In Buddhist teachings, a kind of mantra is often taught. May I dwell in the open heart. Or you can substitute words you make up for yourself. Loving kindness is the intention of goodwill towards yourself and others. It is not about striving towards some critical amount of loving kindness. Rather, it is about building the intention and holding it as a core value. And now here is the other text that I'd like to read um, before I uh, end this particular recording. And this is by Stephen Levine, um, who spent years uh, with his wife, Andrea, working with people who had terminal illness, who were at the end of life, and with those who are grieving them. He is a, um, a meditation practitioner who has deep experience with people living at the edge, um, at the edge of their very lives and existences, at the edge of what their hearts can tolerate. And his uh, work on meditation contains much deep wisdom um, about how to work with the heart. Um, and uh, he had a deep influence on Ezra Beta, the person who um, I study Zen with. And um, so um, anyway, here is uh, a text about the same length as um, what I just read by Moffat. And it's called An Exploration of the Heart. And it comes from his book, Guided Meditations, Explorations, and Healings, um, which I will read from from time to time in these recordings. Um, so here is Levine. The practice of exploring the mind and that which lies beyond begins and ends with the heart. The first step in our liberation is the cultivation of the heart's natural compassion. Meditation begins with the practice of non-injury, a deep willingness to end the suffering in the world and in ourselves. In truth, 
It may be impossible to be alive in a body without causing pain to other beings and species, but our intention can be to create as little pain as possible and to use this life for the benefit of others. Non-injury is an intention, a guideline for the mind from the nature of the heart. We eat, we love in confused manners, we trip and fall over states of mind, and we learn the art of balance. To support the changes the heart suggests without becoming aggressive toward the mind, we are learning to live in a sacred manner. What is called for is neither force nor acquiescence, but an active participation in the moment. It is an opening to let in healing. When Mahatma Gandhi was asked about the passive resistance he was teaching all over India, he replied, there is nothing passive in my resistance. It is just non-violent. Gandhi's non-violence is a skillful means towards a peaceful mind and world. Violence originates from the mind, healing from the heart. So the heart and its still small voice within is taken as teacher on the path of liberation. And non-injury is its most obvious quality. Non-injury ranges from self-forgiveness to the end of world hunger. When we begin to practice non-injury, the judging mind, which gets so exasperated with our trying, is not allowed its abusiveness without a deep response from a merciful awareness. Non-injury means to treat others and ourselves as a subject of our heart instead of an object in our mind. This is not the judgment-inducing dictum of the Ten Commandments. This is a commitment to healing and purification, a will toward a clear action. As with Buddhist precepts, such as non-killing, non-stealing, non-lying, non-sexual misconduct, non-injury and compassion are not divine rules carved in stone, but simply reflections in the mind of the nature of the heart, used to reinforce stability and balance on the path. They are gentle reminders, teaching guides, along the shining path between what seem at times glaring opposites. This is not the self-hating morality which turns the, the pain to my pain. It is rather a sense of the appropriate, which rises naturally from levels of awareness deeper than our masks and posturings, deeper than the personality or even the acquired self, entering directly our essential being, the heart of the matter, our natural goodness is manifest unceasingly. Clear action clears the way 
for clearer actions. Kindness calms the mind. So in the next recording, we'll do a loving-kindness meditation together. And then in the one after that, a mindfulness practice. Um, you should feel free to do the mindfulness first if you like. And also, if you're just not ready for a loving-kindness practice, I understand. I've been there. Um, it took me a while, as I said, to come around to feel like loving-kindness is something important to do. Um, please don't push yourself into doing anything you'd rather not do. So if you want to just skip ahead and do the mindfulness on its own, um, please do. And just know that the recording of the loving-kindness practice will be there for you to come back to in the future if and when you decide it's time. Okay, so on to loving-kindness practice. 